I'm Juliet. Welcome to All Girls Considered, a podcast dedicating to telling the stories of inspiring women and girls. Today we are speaking with Megan Godfrey, a recently elected representative for District 89 in Springdale, Arkansas. Ms. Godfrey will officially start working in the House of Representatives in January. Welcome, Mrs. Godfrey. Tell us about your show. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Megan Godfrey, representative-elect for the Arkansas House of Representatives in District 89. Uh, this is my very first time to serve in elected office, and I'm so excited to be here to talk with you girls about leadership and um, vision and values, and thank you for the opportunity. So what made you inspired to start working for representative? Sure. I have been a public educator my entire career. Um, I was a teacher and a curriculum specialist, and now I'm a program director and have worked mostly in English as a second language in public schools. Um, and I became a teacher because I'm really committed to the values of inclusiveness, equality, compassion, providing opportunity and elevating diverse voices in my community. And so I decided to run for office of my hometown of Springdale because I saw it as a new way to uh, live out those values, to um, you know, advocate for others and provide opportunities at the state level as a state representative. Um, how would you say that you're gonna help uh, make these voices heard? Great question. So my campaign slogan was for families, for fairness, and for the future. And those values really uh, reflect the way I want to lead. So the way I want to um, empower families and especially children's voices and women's voices that may not have uh, typically been heard or been at the table. Uh, and speaking into um, opportunities for uh, not not to be a voice for others, but to elevate their voices, to tell their stories, to um, really um, give give that opportunity to tell the stories of, of my constituents, especially those who may not have felt empowered in the past. Earlier you said that you taught ESL and mm -hmm. teaching, mm -hmm. but is there like a certain grade and a certain topic besides ESL that you like to teach? Good question. So I, I started teaching... Um, math and science in middle school. Um, my mom is actually a teacher here. Mrs. Cardwell is a, a science teacher here. So she um, definitely helped me out learn uh, in learning how to be a teacher. Um, but then I taught ESL for a long time in elementary school. Um, and then after teaching, I became a curriculum specialist. So I worked with other teachers, helping them um, become better teachers for their students, especially those who are language learners. And then now um, I focus in ESL as the director or the co-director of the ESL program. Um, for the people who are listening, what is the ESL program? Um, so all of the students, I work for Fayetteville Public Schools, so all of the students who um, speak English as a second or a new language, um, those are the kids who um, the teachers and the staff in my program work with. So we um, make sure that they have um, teaching and learning programs that help them be successful in school and help them learn English. Um, and we also um, just take care of all of the state and federal guidelines and expectations that, um, that our kids deserve to make sure that they have equal access and empowering learning experiences in school.
So besides your teaching job, mm -hmm. did you have any other spark like your family or your friends that inspired you for representative? Yeah, definitely. So I have two young kids. I have a five-year-old daughter. She's in kindergarten. We call her Zuzu. And I have a two-year-old son. And so it's really important for me as a mom that I teach my kids the same values that motivate me. So I teach them how to elevate others and to empower the people around them and to advocate for compassion and equality and, and advocacy for their neighbors. And so, um, you know, being a state representative, I'll be in Little Rock for a lot of this spring. I'll be there for about 12 weeks. So it will be hard to be away from my kids for that time. But at the same time, it was really important as a mom to show my kids that doing this thing that you know helps me live out my values and helps us as a family to live out our values is a really great way to show them that we work hard for the things that matter and we take risks and we help others and so even though I'm going to miss them a lot it's been a really cool opportunity as a mom to show them that you know as a family these are the things that we value um, so you said a lot of things about equality. What would you define equality as? Great question. So I think that um, equality goes a lot with empowerment, just making sure that everybody has an opportunity to live their best life, to live up to their full potential. I think sometimes there are certain individuals and certain communities that have a harder time doing that. There are barriers in the way or there are obstacles in the way or there are um, opportunities that haven't traditionally been open to them. And so I think um, equality is just ensuring that everyone is empowered to live their best life and, and to live um, up to their full potential. And so I've done that um, as an educator, and I think um, that's a lot of what, what motivated me um, to run for state representative to continue to expand equality and opportunity. So earlier you said that you had to go to like Little Rock and mm -hmm. you had to be away from your children. So how do you kind of balance the family and the Congress life? Yeah, good question. So I will be in Little Rock starting January 14th. Um, through the end of the legislative session, which will be about 12 weeks. And so I'll be there from Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday, depending on the week, and then come home on the weekends. Um, fortunately, I have a really awesome husband who's a really awesome dad. So he is excited to step up. He's calling himself the district dad of District 89. So he is definitely um, a, a very, very you know, my biggest supporter, my biggest encourager, and really motivated me from the very beginning to do this and said, we can make it work. It'll be hard, you know, for those weeks that I'm, that I'm in Little Rock, but that he believes that I could do it. I also have a really strong support system of my parents and my husband's parents and other friends and, and family members who are close by. So I think that throughout the campaign, I had people come around me and, and really, show unconditional love and support throughout the campaign that's gonna I know carry over into those those hectic times when mom is not home so but again I I think I'm as much as I'm gonna miss them I'm really excited for the opportunity especially for my daughter to see you know that state representatives look like mama there are a lot of um you know there are a lot of older white men who are state representatives, but having a role model to be a mom of young kids, not only for my own kids, but for other kids, I think that's really, it's really special and it'll get me through those times when I'm missing, missing them during the week. 
Um, so you said your family was a lot involved in your campaign. Yeah. Who else do you think was involved in your campaign that helped you shape your values? Definitely. So my my friend Dwayne um, was really the, the biggest, uh, most instrumental friend in not only motivating me to run, but also helping me run the campaign because he was my campaign manager. So he was the one who first said, I really think you should do this. We've been friends since high school. We were really good friends in college. Um, he's a teacher. He's a lawyer now. Um, and so we have a lot of similar values. We both have always worked for some of those things I uh, mentioned earlier in advocacy and, and equality and providing opportunity. And so he really believed in me and said, I think you should do this. I, I think you would be perfect for this. I know this hasn't been you know, a career-long ambition of yours, but you're a strong leader, you have a, a really strong vision and a really clear set of values, you would be perfect. And so he became my campaign manager. And all throughout the campaign, it was really great to have not only a, a really strong leader, he was super motivated, super um, highly organized with the campaign, um, and clearly very successful because we won, but it was also really great having such a close friend who knew me so well and was able to encourage me through some of those tough times and some of those you know, times where we felt nervous or times where we felt um, discouraged or we were unsure how to move forward. It was really great to have him. Um, you know, kind of as a, a really loyal and friend to, to keep me grounded and keep me um, motivated and why we were doing this hard work. So he, he was a big one. And then, you know, some other um, close friends who I've known for years, friends I've known since junior high, were knocking on doors and making phone calls for me and, you know, just really stepped up and, and did a lot of really hard and, and meaningful work for me. So I think that that's, that's some good leadership advice I can give to you, to anyone, but especially to you as girls in thinking about who are the friends who know you really well and also who believe in the same things you believe in so that they can continue to inspire you and motivate you when things get hard, but also know who you are as a person and know the best ways to you know encourage you and cheer you on and, and find those ways to... Um, you know, just to partner with you for, for exciting things. We don't know much about running your own campaign, so, like, what does a campaign manager do? Sure. What do you do, and what do your friends do? Well, the good thing is I didn't know much about it either before I ran, so I definitely had a lot to learn. Um, but the cool thing about campaigns is that all types of leaders can be involved in them because, on the one hand, they're very big picture and visionary and creative, but on the other, they're very strategic and targeted and um, kind of nitty gritty. There's a lot of detail work. And so um, my team was really diverse. There were a lot of experiences and a lot of leadership styles and a lot of things that, uh, a lot of different skill sets that came in um, to the campaign because there are so many different things you can do. So the candidate, of course, is kind of the head of the campaign. That's who's running. So I was the candidate. But then right you know, next to me was that campaign manager. So he um, really set the whole strategy for the campaign, which was how are we going to get the most votes on election day? That's obviously, you know, that's the whole goal of the campaign. And so he ran I think his spreadsheet was like 23 tabs long. It was so detailed, so purposeful and strategic and targeted. Um, 
and he knew exactly how many doors we needed to knock, how many phone calls we needed to make, when we needed to send targeted Facebook ads, what events we needed to go to, what events we needed to not worry about going to, all of those kind of day-to-day -day strategic moves. Um, but then there were also other parts of the campaign like um, our video, so we had a couple of video ads, so we had a video and a digital designer. We had a communications director who did, you know, helped me with my Instagram posts or with, she did all of my graphic design and my logo and all of my mailers and, and campaign literature. Um, I had a finance director, which was my husband. Um, so he, he did, kept, the, kept up with all the money that we raised and um, did the financial reports and um, then field. Uh, which is actually going out and talking to voters and making sure that there were enough volunteers and that we met all of our deadlines and we talked to everybody we needed to talk to. So um, I think that that's, that's what was cool about the campaign and seeing it come together was that it was so many different leadership styles who all contributed and all worked together to do a really, um, a really great job. Yeah. Um, did you or any others have any doubts at any point during your campaign? Yeah, that's a great question. So my district um, hasn't, my district in particular has never been held by a Democrat. And in Springdale, it's been decades since the Democrat has won in the State House of Representatives. So we knew that it would be a challenge. And so with that, I think there come lots of doubts and lots of, you know, making sure that we are being as strategic as possible, but also sticking true to our vision and our values that we are being for families, for fairness, and for the future. And that throughout the campaign, we are advocating for these, these things that motivate me. Um, and so there were a couple instances where we, you know, we felt really motivated at the beginning, but then when it got close to election day, uh, we were like, gosh, I hope, I hope we've done it. I hope we've done everything that we you know, that we needed to do and we felt confident in the plan, but you just never know how it's going to shake out. Um, and then there were a couple instances too where we, um, just in thinking about making a contrast with my opponent, I didn't want to go negative, um, but just making sure that that was the right thing because, you know, there, there are reasons people do negative ads that we decided not to and just felt confident in that decision and, and I am really glad that we decided not to. Um, and credit to my opponent, he did the same, and, and we both ran a really positive race. And so I think that advantaged um, both of us just in, in the way we wanted to run. Um, but I think especially knowing as close as it was going to be, we were, and, and being a first-time candidate too, first-time campaign manager, first-time campaign team, there were a lot of things that we were like, I hope this is right. It feels right, but, you know, we've never done it before, and we, we did a lot of things that were innovative and creative and new and there wasn't really a model for um but fortunately for us they worked out yeah we we won by 29 votes so it was there was a lot of of you know hoping it was it was gonna work out and and that all of the decisions we made paid off and and, and they did so so yeah. going back to like all those online designers and stuff mm -hmm. You had like a website and mm -hmm. like there was like tiny tabs that were like in Spanish. Yeah. Can you go in more detail about yeah, that? Yeah, I would be happy to. So I speak uh, fluent Spanish. I was a Spanish major in college um, and 
again, that's a lot of what motivated me to get into teaching and get into English as a second language and working with immigrant communities and immigrant families, just wanting to be in a position where I could use my influence and my privilege to elevate others and provide opportunity. Um, and so my district in Springdale has a large immigrant population, a large uh, Latinx population, and it was really so great to be able to communicate with voters and just hear what made them feel excited or nervous or worried or, um, you know, hopeful about the future. And to be able to communicate in their native language was just really special, I think, not only to me, but to them and to feel literally heard. Um, and, you know, to have somebody who, who would go and take their stories and, and tell them um, in a way that, that others hadn't been able to. So, yeah, I'm really proud. Um, and I, I started learning Spanish in junior high, so if you're, if you're taking Spanish, keep at it. It's worth it, I promise, um, because I, I love being able to speak it, and it was so great um, just to be able to have those cool conversations with, with constituents. And so with that, I had several um, Latino and Latina volunteers and campaign staffers who, because of that, they saw my um, commitment to engaging with that part of the community. They really wanted to be a part of that, too. They saw me as an advocate and an ally and said, hey, this is a woman who has gone out of her way to learn my language, to learn my culture, to be a part of it, and not just in a way to earn votes, in a way to like fully... Um, engage and empower folks in a new way. So I think that that's why a lot of people, especially people of color, um, people from immigrant backgrounds got involved in my campaign because they were, they were excited about, about that communication. So yeah, proud of that. Um, do you have any plans to help these people, like an action plan? Help immigrants? Yes. Or, yeah, so I think that going back to for families, for fairness, and for the future, a lot of my policy ideas are around those three statements, those three values. Um, and so in being for families, a lot of what I've talked about um, was to really think about families in poverty, family families and children in poverty, thinking about expanding and protecting health care, um, providing supports and programs for um, struggling families, families who are working to make ends meet but may come up short. Um, and then that that work or those, those types of programs and policies um, will definitely affect um, and disproportionately affect, actually, immigrant families and people of color. Um, and then for fairness, I've talked explicitly about um, compassion-driven solutions for immigrants, especially for dreamers, for this with DACA. I think there's there's work that we can do um, to be really um, mindful of their story and also, um, you know, make some choices that really will help the future of our state. And then in being for the future, uh, one thing that I think we should look at, especially in my work and then working with immigrant families and um, students learning English, um, Arkansas is an English-only state. But I think that there are states around us that we can learn from who have bilingual programs and instructional programs in schools um, that I think will be good for all kids. So those are some of my ideas. Yeah. So you said like it would affect poverty and immigrants and stuff. So have you ever seen like any visible impacts that your campaign has made? Great question. Yeah, I'll tell a couple of stories. So um, we... 
always carried voter registration forms when we went canvassing, when we went knocking on doors, uh, knocking door to door. But usually when we would knock on doors, they were already voters. So we have a big list of everybody who's registered to vote. That's who we would go and talk to and try to get, um, try to get folks to, to vote for me. Um, but I remember knocking on one door, um, and it was the gentleman who lived there, um, who was registered to vote, but his wife wasn't. And his wife spoke a little bit of English, but mostly Spanish. And so her, but she wanted to get registered to vote. She was a citizen, wanted to get registered. So I had a Spanish um, voter registration form and I had an English one. She chose the English one because um, she wanted to fill it out in English, but her teenage daughter, who's 16, came and helped her mom fill out the voter registration form. Um, so it's just really this cool opportunity um, to witness, you know, empowerment, to see, you know, this leadership development of these women, of this woman and this and her daughter. And so, and in speaking to her daughter, she said, I turn 18 in 2020, how soon can I get registered to vote? So just seeing like her empower her mom and help her mom get registered. And then she was already ready, you know, to vote in the next election. And so I, I, you know, told her, I said, well, you have to be 18 to, to get registered, but hopefully you can vote for me for re-election in 2020. So I'll have to follow back up with her now that she can. So, so that was just, that was a cool story. And, um, I think too, um, part of our, um, strategy right before election day was we had these little vote plans. They were sticky notes that had all the voting information on them. Like, here's where you can go. Here's what time you can go. But don't forget to bring an ID, go with a friend, do you have a ride, do you need a ride? It was like a little, just a little graphic that you could take. Um, and so I had a friend who sent me a text after the election that at the polling place she was at, um, there were, you know, a line of people who were holding their voting plan to, to take with them and go and vote. Voters who maybe hadn't felt as empowered before, but they had their voting plan, they had all the details and they were ready to go vote. So I think stories like that of empowerment, of engaging folks who, like I said, may not have felt so, um, totally involved and included before, those are really special and we're proud of that. Yeah, uh, you said that you were planning on getting reelected. How long do you think so. you'll stay in office? Great question. So um, the, the House of Representatives, or the, representatives in the house um, serve two-year terms. So I will, you know, serve for two years and then choose to run for re-election. So every two years, um, you, if you want to run for re-election, you'll have to run and get re-elected. So right now that's my plan to run again in 2020. So after that, we'll see. But um, yeah, that's the plan for, for now, for the short term, for the future. <laughs> So before you said like that little, that um, teenage girl you said mm -hmm. was like empowered by you. Do you think that your daughter would soon be empowered, empowered, or do you think she's already empowered by you? Great question. I hope she is. That that's my goal as a mama to empower her and empower my son for sure. Um, I think again, it's it's just really cool to watch her have an example of what leadership looks like for women and for girls. Um, and I think another cool opportunity for her and for my son was to be around the other um, individuals on the campaign team. So she not only got to see me do it, but to see other members of our community who have such different 
stories, such diverse backgrounds, people who, you know, speak Spanish, people who are immigrants, people who identify as LGBT, people who are my grandmother's age or who are in high school or college and just all of this diverse experience, um, those are the kinds of influences that, um, you know, are just part of my kid's story now. And that kind of common coming together for, for a shared vision, I think is really, for me, important as a mom. Um, when I get sworn in in January, um, you know, you're not usually supposed to go on the House of Representatives floor unless you're a member, like only members can go. But they said for the swearing in, you can take one person onto the floor. And I think I'm gonna take my daughter because I think that for her, that, that'll be extra special. So um, my son may be mad at me in a few years when he realizes it, but he's only two. So I think he'll, he'll forgive me for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you say a lot about empowering people. Who do you say would, has empowered you? Great question. Um, I would definitely say my mom has empowered me um, and continues to empower me. I, uh, shout out to her since she's a teacher here. But um, she has always um, raised me to be brave and to ask hard questions and to push back. Um, even though as my mom, I know she didn't always appreciate that when I was a little kid and was pushing back. She tells the story about how when I was a little kid, she told me I was allowed to obey or discuss. And I often chose to discuss rather than obey. <laughs> but I think that because of that, she made me really, she made me um, find my voice, not just for myself, but for others. And I think that I am able now to push back against things that are unfair or to step forward um, to bring those other, those voices with me that, that need to be elevated in those stories that need to be told. So she has definitely empowered me. I would say to, you know, many of the friends who served on my campaign, um, definitely my husband, my campaign manager, Dwayne, um, and then that core team of, of my campaign staff, not only empowered me through the campaign, but before it as really dedicated friends beforehand. So, Would you say that you kind of got to know your enemies and got closer to them and became friends, or do you guys just stay separated? Good question. So uh, my opponent, like I said, early on in the campaign, um, he shook my hand and promised to run a positive race, and he kept that promise, and I, I definitely want to give a shout-out to him. Um, he and I just have very different ideas for our community. We had different communication styles and different um, experiences that we brought to the, the campaign. Um, we always treated each other with respect and dignity. Um, I wouldn't say that we're friends now, but I think that we kept things positive and, and I appreciate that from him. Yeah. Um, was there any time when you felt angry at him, your opponent, and you were just upset that he would even try to run against you or? I, I think it was probably the latter. He, he was an incumbent. And so I think he, you know, would have loved to have been unopposed again. So I, I played spoiler a little bit for him. Um, I was never angry at him. You know, I think, again, it was just different ideas, different perspectives, different experiences. And um, no, I, I think that if anything, you know, I was coming in as the underdog and, um, and um, yeah. No, no hard feelings on my end, for sure. <laughs> so what type of leader do you see yourself as? 
Great question. Um, I think that I have, I have a reputation of being pretty tough, but also pretty compassionate. So people don't really describe me as nice. They, they would not really say that I'm, that's not a word people use to describe me, but they do use the word compassionate, which I think is kind of a, an interesting distinction because I think that I can be, I can be pretty, pretty brave, pretty forceful, pretty opinionated. Um, I don't mind, you know, standing up and stepping up and speaking up when needed, but I try to do it in a way that is speaking truth to power, calling out things that are unjust or unfair, um, elevating others in a way that that isn't disruptive, but that does cause people to think about the power dynamics or about um, how others may have been excluded or how others may have not had the opportunity um, that they deserve. And so I think that that, I always feel like that's an interesting um, descriptor that I get um, is compassionate because I, I never feel like I'm warm and fuzzy inside, but I do want to use my position and my leadership and my advocacy to do compassionate work and compassionate things. So one of the last questions we'd like to ask is what other life advice do you have for girls listening to this podcast? Oh, very good. Um, I would say, so I have to, to be honest and say that when my friend Dwayne, who went on to be my manager, um, when he first asked me to run, I said no, because I just, I didn't visualize myself being a state representative. Like I said, I'd always worked in education. That's the work I loved. I had young kids. I just, I didn't see myself doing it. Um, but then I I allowed myself to kind of daydream about it, to think about what would it feel like to be a state representative? Like, what does it look like? What does it feel like to, you know, to, to be a candidate, to be campaigning, and then to go on and win? And what, what kind of emotional reaction do I have when I visualize myself doing it? Um, and so that would be some advice I would give you. If you have an idea or if somebody brings an opportunity to you and your first reaction is, I don't know, I don't think so, I don't know if I'm ready for that or I don't know if I'm qualified or I'm just, I'm not sure, I would say to take some time to visualize yourself doing it and being it and then just see how it feels. And if it makes you feel excited, like visualize it a little bit more and a little bit more. And I think sometimes as girls, we, we're just especially if there haven't been other girls before us or other women before us to show us what it looks like as a girl, it's, it's hard to visualize it. So sometimes we have to do that for ourselves. So that's what I would say, to just say, okay, I want to be this or I want to do this or I want to, you know, make this impact or this, this um, influence. Just kind of close your eyes and, and visualize it and see what it feels like. And then um, I would say you're never going to feel 100% ready for any opportunity, especially if it's scary, especially if it's, if you do have to take a risk and take a leap of faith, you'll never, there's never like the perfect time. Um, and I think girls and women, especially young girls and young women, we get told just wait, just wait your turn. 
And I would say, don't wait. <laughs> don't wait. Don't feel like you need more experience or more time or more years under your belt to do it. I would say, just do it. I'm the youngest woman in the Arkansas House of Representatives. And so I'm really proud of that. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I'm not that young. I'm 35. So I think that thinking about what what girls can do and what young women can do should never have, you know, an age minimum on it. So I would say visualize yourself doing it and then just go for it. Don't feel like you have to wait until you're older or more experienced or more qualified because you can do it. Um, it's probably time to wrap things up, so thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk to us. Um, we hope you have a great day, and we hope our conversation's been inspiring to some of our listeners. Um, I know that it has been for me. This is Lena. And Juliet. From, from All, All Girls, Girls Considered, Considered, signing off. off.